You're listening to the weekly sermon from Clarkston United Methodist Church in Michigan. We are a church dedicated to connecting people to people and people to God. To learn more, visit us at clarkstonumc.org. Now, Pastor Rick challenged the kids to read Luke chapter 2. This morning, we're going to go even further towards the end of the Bible. We're going to take a look at a book called Revelation, which is a vision of what the end of time itself might look like, and in fact, what the kingdom of God and what heaven might look like. So let's listen to these words as Linda reads them to get a glimpse of God's vision of what heaven could look like. A reading from the seventh chapter of Revelation, verses 9 through 12. I looked again. I saw a huge crowd, too huge to count. Everyone was there, all nations and tribes, all races and languages. And they were standing, dressed in white robes and waving palm branches, standing before the throne and the Lamb and heartily singing, Salvation to our God on his throne. Salvation to the Lamb. All who were there were standing around the throne. Angels, elders, animals. They fell on their faces before the throne and worshipped God, singing, Oh yes, the blessing and glory and wisdom and thanksgiving. The honor and power and strength to our God forever and ever and ever. Oh, yes. This was the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Will you join me in an attitude of prayer? We thank you, God, for this time together, and we pray that your Holy Spirit would move among us wherever we are across the state and across the world. May the meditations of our hearts and minds be pleasing and acceptable to you. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. What would it look like to create a space where everyone was welcome? Where everyone had a seat, a place to belong, a space where they knew they were safe and respected and loved for who they are. The scripture from Revelation casts a possible vision. In fact, it's a vision of what heaven could be like. People from all different backgrounds and races and nations and origins praising God together. People who are different from one another, distinct, unique, beautiful as they are, united by the common goal of praising God. Can you imagine that? Can you imagine a choir like that? Can you imagine a church like that? Can you imagine a Thanksgiving table that looks like that? So I had the opportunity to be at a retreat last year um, where we listed stories in the Bible that involve cross-cultural or cross-racial encounters. Any scenario where the people involved were fundamentally different from one another. So they were from different countries, they were from different religious traditions, they were from uh, different heritages, you name it, that was part of the part of the deal. And so if we thought of a story or a scripture 
uh, we were supposed to write it down on a post-it note, and we were challenged to put it on a wall that had been dedicated to the exercise. And on one side of the wall, it said Genesis, and on the other side of the wall, it said Revelation, and then in the middle, it said things like, oh, the prophets and the Psalms and Jesus. Now, you have to understand this was a retreat for the Board of Ordained Ministry. So this was a lot of clergy in the room and then like highly involved lay people. So we all got our sticky notes and we got our pens out and we started thinking. And pretty soon the room was buzzing with people who were excited to write down stories. What about Joseph, who traveled from his home down to Egypt to live? What about Moses, who traveled from Egypt up to a new land that God showed to him? Now, truth be told, if you get into either of these stories too deeply, there's a lot of troubling stuff involved, especially in the Old Testament, a lot of troubling encounters. But what about Esther, a Jewish woman advocating for her people in a context that did not value Jewish people? What about Ruth, who's from the country of Moab, who follows her mother-in-law across to some other nation just out of loyalty and family love? And then what about Jesus? He's got examples right and left. He's talking to a Roman centurion who wants him to heal his servant. When he was a child, his family were refugees in Egypt. He talks to a woman from Samaria at a well. He talks about the story of a good Samaritan that we heard about last week. There's just story after story after story, not only in scripture, but uh, specifically involving Jesus and his followers. These stories of cross-cultural, cross-racial, cross-boundary uh, encounters, they really start to add up. And at this retreat, before we knew it, this entire wall was covered in sticky notes with examples of times that people had crossed boundaries to interact with one another and sometimes to build relationships and get to know one another. Figuring out how to relate with people who are different from us is not a new challenge. It's a challenge that's come to the forefront in 2020, but it's something that's happened throughout history, even recorded in scripture. We've always struggled to talk with people who are different from us. Some of the encounters in scripture are not positive. Some of them end in war or heartache or difficulty. People are navigating out of scarcity and fear, and sometimes the end results are not what we wish that they could be. But other examples, like Jonah, who travels to Nineveh, result in changed minds and different perspectives and people approaching things in the end from a different way than they did when they started the story. And then, of course, Jesus offers the best model of all. He has all kinds of encounters with people who are different from him. Throughout the Gospels, he interacts with people that nobody else would have thought of interacting with. Not only people of different races, cultures, nationalities, but just people that others in the society would have disdained or excluded. Like Jesus heals a leper who has a skin disease that caused them to be ostracized from the rest of their community. Jesus famously said, let the little children come to me in a society where children were valued similarly to livestock and dogs. Jesus valued the ministry of women, Mary and Martha in particular, in a society where women's contributions were not elevated and not celebrated. Again and again, Jesus intentionally welcomes and interacts with people who are on the margins, people that the rest of society didn't really have 
time for. Do you remember the story of Zacchaeus? Some of you might from Sunday school. He was a tax collector. To understand the story, you have to remember tax collectors, they were not well-loved figures in Jesus' day. They were kind of seen as people who exploited others, and most people wouldn't have really felt like Zacchaeus had a shot at redemption or being changed. Now, if you remember the story, you remember the critical detail that Zacchaeus was short. And so Jesus was come to talk to people, and Zacchaeus said, I, I want to see this guy, but I'm short. How do I see above the crowd? And so he famously climbed up a sycamore tree, which is the perfect spot to observe without being seen. I imagine that Zacchaeus perhaps didn't even want to talk to Jesus. Maybe he was assuming Jesus wouldn't have time for somebody like him. And yet, if you remember the story, you remember Jesus not only notices him, he calls out to him up in the tree and and then invites himself over for supper. He invites himself over to Zacchaeus' house. So not only is he wanting to include this tax collector in the mix, he actually goes and has a meal with him at his house. It's such a strange story, and yet another example of Jesus going out of his way to include somebody who other people wouldn't have bothered to include. Now, in Zacchaeus' story, people immediately start to grumble. Like, why is Jesus hanging out with this guy? He is not a good guy. Have you noticed there are often grumblers when new people are included, when new people are invited to the table? Psychology today suggests that our brains react with anger or sadness when we fear exclusion. Now, logically, we know including somebody new does not mean that we're going to be excluded. But I think there's a part of us that knows welcoming somebody new always means a change to our system, to our pattern, to our tradition. Even our expectations might shift anytime we welcome somebody new to the circle. And sometimes these changes trick us into feeling excluded or alienated even in our own circle. And it can be difficult to let go of what we're used to and allow somebody new to come in and to shake things up. We like to be comfortable as part of human nature, and it causes us discomfort sometimes when someone new is welcomed, when someone new is included. But the thing about Jesus is his call has never been strictly one of comfort. I mean, he offers peace and he offers love and he offers grace. And Jesus says, uh, I will give you rest. But he also calls us to sacrificial love and fighting injustice and standing with those who are oppressed, even when it means discomfort or pain. Jesus once told a parable about a banquet. Guests were invited to a lavish meal, and it was this great party. But one by one, they said, I, I don't want to go to that. I'm too busy. I got something else going on. I just need to go check on a piece of land. They all had their different excuses. In the story, the servants were told, okay, forget them. They don't want to come. Go out into the streets and start to invite new people. Specifically, invite the poor Invite the crippled, invite the blind, invite the lame. Anybody who wants to come to this meal is welcome in. Talk about shaking up the table. It would have been a different meal experience with the original set of guests. 
And that's how Jesus describes the kingdom of God, this place where everybody's welcome, nobody's forced to come, and even people on the margins are intentionally included. It's like a party big enough for everybody, a table long enough for everyone. Speaking of tables, if you've ever been with us for communion, you know that one of the clergy always begins the liturgy by saying, Christ our Lord invites to this table all who wish to come and partake. You don't have to be a member here at this church or at any church because everyone is welcome here. We call it an open table. Everyone is welcome. Now, of course, it's one thing to say, ah, oh, you're welcome, we welcome you, and it's another thing to actually be welcoming. This is where part of the challenge comes in for most of us. To be truly welcoming in action and in spirit can be a challenge even for those of us who have really sincere and genuine intentions because there's just a lot that we don't know about how to welcome other people. I found personally that there's always more to do when you're considering how best to welcome people who are different, whether that's people who are of a different race, different nationality, different sexual orientation. There's just always more to work on. And part of it is education, educating ourselves by reading books, watching television shows, uh, watching movies, attending events or conferences so that we can learn about different cultures, different histories, the perspective of different people who are coming to this place with us. Whether that difference is related to race, age, gender, sexual identity, some other category, we've got to learn. We've got to intentionally seek out resources and listen to the experiences of others. The goal is really to learn as much as, that we, as, much as we can so that then our perspective might be shifted and we might be as welcoming as possible, knowing what it means to welcome somebody who's different from us. We're called to intentionally seek out those experiences, those stories from folks who are not like us. So if, like me, you identify as white, maybe this is an invitation to read or watch something that's put together from the perspective of a black person. If you're straight, maybe this is an invitation to encounter something written by an LGBTQIA person. If you're young, time to encounter a resource from somebody who's old. If you're older, maybe a time to look at a resource from somebody who's younger. You get the deal. You understand where I'm going with this. We intentionally seek out things written and created from perspectives that are not our own. Now, if you're looking for a book to read specifically on racism, I'd invite you to join me and Jennifer Montgomery as we read the book, Be the Bridge, written by Latasha Morrison, who's a black woman uh, writing from a Christian perspective. We're gonna read that book um, over the next few weeks with a discussion to be scheduled in early November. So that's one easy way to get started on this, Be the Bridge. You can find the details in the e-news and uh, we look forward to talking with you about it. It's difficult work to do sometimes, to seek these things out and to find that some of our assumptions or our expectations are changed. But it's essential if we hope to create a space where all can feel safe 
and included and valued as we follow Jesus together. Now here at Clarkston United Methodist Church, we're seeking to create a space where all are welcome, where our church really reflects the beauty of God's creation. Children, senior citizens, Democrats, Republicans, Libertarians, those Green Party folks, all the different political parties, those with differing physical abilities, you, you get the idea. And in fact, you all affirmed an inclusion statement back in 2019, attesting to that desire to welcome everybody. The truth is, though, many categories of inclusion are not controversial. Like, who today in 2020 doesn't want kids in their church? Everybody wants to welcome kids. It was controversial back in Jesus' day, but it's not controversial now. There are some things that do remain controversial here and now in our society. And those things are worth talking about more specifically when it comes to this congregation. So as one of the clergy, here's what I want you to know so that you can share it with anybody who wants to know about this church and the heart of this congregation. If you're black, you're welcome here. If you're white, you're welcome here. If you identify as biracial, multiracial, Pacific Islander, Asian, any other racial category under the sun, you're welcome here. The other thing I want to tell you is, if you're gay, you're welcome here. If you're trans, you're welcome here. If you identify as straight, queer, questioning, some other word that can't be encapsulated uh, in a term that we use so frequently in our media, you know what? You're welcome here. There's a place for you here. There's a space for you here. I'm intentionally standing in front of the doors to the church as I say these words to you. Often these doors have felt closed or even locked to certain groups of people. Sometimes they have been physically closed and locked. And the church is a global entity as a capital C church throughout time has done a great deal of harm to particular groups of people, using its influence to maintain systems of discrimination, keeping certain groups out while other groups remain in power. Just a cursory glance at our history books reveals that Christians as a group have often condoned practices that are racist, sexist, homophobic, xenophobic, the list goes on. I mean, you look at President Andrew Jackson. Supposedly he was a Presbyterian, but he forcibly removed 60,000 Native people and put them on the trail of tears, many of them dying in the process. In the 1960s, white Christians burned crosses and threw bricks to intimidate and to harm black people. Christians have done a great deal of harm through so-called conversion camps where LGBTQIA youth were taught to hate who they are. And I could go on listing examples, but I'm sure you have the point by now. And the purpose of listing these things is not to make us all feel bad about ourselves. That's not the point. Instead, it's a call to repent. It's a call to turn, to change, to shift from the way that the church has acted in the past, from the way we may have acted in the past. Because even if we look at examples in the past and we say, you know, that, 
wasn't me. I didn't do that. I wasn't there during the Trail of Tears. The truth of Christianity is we are all connected throughout time, throughout place, and harm caused to one of God's children is harm caused to all. Even today, many of these sins of the past have left a legacy of systemic discrimination that continues to affect people's lives. Racism, sexism, homophobia, they're all alive and well in 2020. And as Christians, we're called to speak out against these things. We're called to advocate for change. We're called to stand with our brothers and sisters who are left disenfranchised by so many of these systems. So today I hope you'll join me in proclaiming we repent of the sins of the past that have excluded folks. We will not allow our brothers and sisters to suffer alone. We will no longer allow the doors of the church to remain closed to so many. We will no longer silently stand by while many in power condone white supremacy in our nation. Instead, we will seek to include and support those on the margins, those who are oppressed, just like Jesus did, following his example. We're welcome here because Jesus welcomes us. There's a place for us here because Jesus has prepared it. We don't all believe the same things. We don't all understand things the same way. You all won't react to my sermon this morning in the same exact way. We're not going to vote the same way. We don't value the same things in some cases. Family versus work versus school. Our priorities are slightly different. We are unique and distinct individuals, and none of us are as welcoming today as we will be tomorrow or the next day or the next day or the next as we journey and we learn and we grow. But just like in the book of Revelation, we are united by God. We are united by our desire to follow Jesus and to live as he taught us to live. Jesus was the one who preached good news to the poor, who proclaimed release to the captives, recovery of sight to the blind. He fed the hungry, he healed the sick, he ate with sinners, and he sets at liberty those who are oppressed. Can you imagine a space where everyone is welcomed? Can you imagine an environment where everyone feels respected and safe? Everyone has a seat at the proverbial table. Can you imagine it? By the grace of God, let's continue in our work to create that kind of space here. May it be so. Amen. You've been listening to the weekly sermon from Clarkston United Methodist Church in Michigan. We are a church dedicated to connecting people to people and people to God. To learn more, visit us at clarkstonumc.org.